Hello, my name is Mike Marucci. I am the host of the Afterglow and an editorial assistant here at Impact 89FM. And today I have Sarah T with me, who has just released her songs for Discarded Souls EP. Thank you so much for being with me today. Hey, Mike. Thank you for having me, fellow Michigander. <laughs> yeah, you are uh, you are a current Michigander. And mm -hmm. as if I'm correct, you were heavily involved in the independent scenes of Denver, LA, Chicago, and you've lived various other places. So would you be able to take us through your geographic odyssey across the United States and essentially what brought you to Michigan? Absolutely. I think as a kid, I moved probably 10 times before I even um, turned 18. So I am hesitant to share at times when I meet somebody new, especially in Michigan, um, that I'm from somewhere else because I do have a deep love for Michigan and I do have a deep love for the places that I live. And because I've moved so often, like there's great value to me in um, building those relationships. So I, the sort of the short answer I give is I spent my high school years in Princeton, New, New Jersey, and my mom did her best to get me to that education system. And I got a really good education there. And from there is when I headed to Denver. And that was the longest I lived anywhere, which was 10 years long. And before that, like my mom was a widow and we, she was working at universities and we, she was also developing her private practice. So we spent time in many different areas, like from New Mexico to North Carolina. And then I had a short stint um, from our second and third grade in Ann Arbor. So um, after my Denver job for 10 years and building community and uh, creating businesses and throwing events, I ended up finding my way to LA for a different chapter. And um, amidst that, uh, there's been like breaks and pauses, and some of those are due to family, but the most recent one is due to health. And this is pre- COVID. And I discovered and realized like I wouldn't be able to sustain myself in the way that I was living due to this diagnosis, which I eventually got and it took a very long time to get. And it's sort of packed with a couple different things. And it's something called dysautonomia, which makes it very difficult to stand for long periods. And you know, I can do this chat and it seems like I'm, I can put it together, but after this, I may need to go lay down. So, um, mm -hmm. it's interesting to come back to Michigan because I've gotten to get to know my roots better. Like my grandma was, or my great grandmother was a Finnish immigrant that, um, settled in the Sault Ste. Marie area. My grandma grew up in Sugar Island in the thirties. And then my mom was born in Southfield. So it's been really interesting to sort of get to know, um, my past around here and, you know, figure out, you know, where my grandpa worked, what factory, and when they left, when that factory closed down, you know, and also just getting to know, like, the history of my grandparents. Like, I found out that he used to host events, too. He um, was also a DJ. You know, he wasn't beat matching in the 40s, but he was, yeah. you know, because I'm a DJ as well. So it's kind of been interesting to find my way back here and get to know some of the people I knew in the, my earlier years. Like I had like an indie pop rock band in the early 2000s. And so there was sort of like a twee indie rock movement here back then. So I'm, you know, we're grown now and getting to see, you know, who's still dedicated to the music and, um, you know, what people are up to in the area and 
some of my collection is due to Michigan. There's a record store called People's Records. And so I get to go visit them. And these were the people that used to pick up the phone and call me and tell me they had some great, you know, Detroit techno for me and play it to me over the phone. It was that long ago. So <laughs> it's awesome. it's kind of cool to, you know, bring the full circle back because Michigan is really the a land of music enthusiasts. I was actually just talking to my mom about this this morning who went to the Ark and Ann Arbor. And, you know, I think sometimes people don't realize the value of what you have right down the street, uh, but I consider uh, that in many other locations here as like some of the best in the world, especially their relationship to sound systems and just like integrity of the artists. So it's been, you know, that's what brought me back here. To be honest, it's, it's, <laughs> it's been harrowing and painful, but there's a point where you learn you have to put it back into your art and music or creativity because, you know, you can't post about it on Twitter anymore. So <laughs> that's what yes. brought me back to the music because I was like, okay, there's only so many times I can talk about this, the amount of pain <laughs> that I've experienced and essentially like losing my life and independence um, and coming to a place that I love and getting nurtured here. Um you know, you have to like find your own way and make the best of it, you know? Yeah. As you were touching on, you know, when you go to all these different places and live in all these different places, you're exposed to different scenes and different images, different sounds. And with all the different experiences you've had too, have these places like really affected how you view music and how you make music and essentially how you live your life through that music? Absolutely. You know, and I think, the relationship that I think sometimes people miss or those who haven't moved a lot is I see folks sort of abandoning um, the place that made them, right? And so they'll leave mm -hmm. a town and, oh, there's nothing here, there's that, they experience a certain scene and then they'll sort of trash it and leave it. And I, 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 I can't discourage that more. I mean, I feel like there's so much to get from each chapter. There is the reality of acknowledging certain worlds, like why I may have to leave certain areas. Like for instance, there was somewhere I lived once and I noticed, you know, people were not being responsible with like the balance of sobriety and health. And to me, that's a reason to leave, but is that the whole town? No, you know, it's like, there's chapters for your life. There's appreciating the, the lineage of the area. It's also just recognizing when a space isn't, you know, appreciating you as much and finding the next chapter, but not abandoning it and leaving it for the next. So I absolutely have a deep love. And if you looked at my, you know, Google maps saved area and you pull the map back and you see all the dots of the saved places, I think I've also learned since my time here and befriending more librarians, like I'm just someone who loves to <laughs> collect and understand and get to know, um, you know, the world that we're in and try to appreciate it to the best of my ability, you know, especially during bleak times, because, you know, I think in, in, atten in a very short attention span eras, you know, we can go for the thrill, but, you know, there's the simplicity of um, other things that can be in the environments you're in, you know. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I know this wasn't one of your center points there, but shout out to libraries because. Yes, <laughs> please. Well, it's interesting because last week I was surprised that the Ann Arbor Library ended up featuring this album, which I did not expect. And I did a longer form interview with them that's coming out in February. And I was like, oh, wow, this is what it's like to be with 
around people who really care about your work. You know, I think when, you know, I was in my room by myself and to be able to put it out and you just want to connect like, so yeah, librarians are my people. (laughs) If I had the, you know, the stamina and focus to go to schooling the way they did, but you know, I need as many librarians in my life as possible (laughs) because they're the backbone. Well, if you're ever at the Salem Southline District Library, be sure to say hello to my mom. Because oh, really? No way. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love the I library. To, I used to work I... there. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, and and each town sort of develops their own relationship to expression. Like my closest library right now is, I, um, you know, like the Chelsea or the Dexter one. And each one has their different relationship. The Ann Arbor Library has, um, you know, like recording supplies you can rent. Um, and I ended up using those too, like in some of the demos of this original, this recording in the first phase. Oh, awesome. Because libraries, especially in my hometown, it's kind of like a town center. It's where truly everybody of you know, any ilk comes together. And it's especially in a small town in Michigan, many, many small towns. And mm-hmm. so it's just interesting how these libraries take on such an interesting centerpiece there. Well, there's something called the third place, which you may know, but, and I'll do my best to describe it, but it's essentially like we need gathering spots. There aren't necessarily places where you go drink or have to purchase things where you can just gather. And as, you know, parts of America were sort of, uh, you know, repositioned due to cars and whatnot and consumerism like we have sometimes lost those places to just gather and be so that's I realized as I've gotten older a deep passion of mine so while I may have you know thrown a dance party or maybe I owned a business or I put on a show I've been learning like what the deeper themes of my interest are which is those places to gather to heal to just be and there's something very radical in that space where um sometimes just being able to be in with our thoughts is the radical act to not to feel safe and to not have to like participate in a particular way just to be there so yeah libraries are definitely a spot like that you know absolutely with um the term the opera house as the center of the city the opera house is the city i suppose that kind of ties in with like you were mentioning um in denver you had your no bullshit dance party, dance mm-hmm. a Would mm-hmm. you go more in depth about exactly what that was and how it was like a centerpiece of the independent scene there? Yeah, you know, I was, when I first moved to Denver, I knew maybe one or two people. So it was really a blank slate for me. I had just turned 21 and I was very much in the uh, observer mode outside looking in, which, um, with my music too, and this EP, there's a lot of that wanting to connect and gather with those who are sort of on the, the outside and knowing and sort of encouraging that there is a space for that. So I entered the scene and I was someone who loved music like you. So I would go to whatever event and whatever I could for dancing music, whether at the time, you know, everything from like swing music to industrial to house to drum and bass, um, or to, at the time, like Britpop was really popular. And so I'd be going out four to five days a week, you know, in the joy of music and dancing. And I observed in those spaces, a hierarchy 
which to me felt really absurd. So at the top were the DJs or the promoters, and then around them were the circle who either dated or they approved of. And then it was almost as if the minions were the ones who were ignored. Now, are they truly minions? Absolutely not. But I observed this dynamic and it got under my skin. And um, did I have any connections? Did I know people? Did um, um you know, I guess we could say nowadays they have any clout zero, but I, you know, I had a deep desire of uh, collecting. So at the time I was collecting and it was sort of a obscure era of uh, when electro clash, like hadn't quite had a name. And even to search for electro at the time was very difficult. The section was not built up. I was collecting freestyle. I was collecting Miami base. So I was collecting my collection at the time. And I was working with somebody who had a free weekend open at a warehouse that he had, which uh, was sort of a tongue-in-cheek place called the Hipster Youth Halfway House. <laughs> and it was sort of poking fun at the people. And he's like, oh, I have a weekend. Do you want it? And so quickly, I was, first of all, yes. And um, secondly, let's do it. Like, I wanted to create something that was um, a space sort of pushing back at this. And so you know, for anyone listening, there is something really simple with the power of intent. And all I literally did was a flyer that had the intention, right? On the flyer, let's say no bullshit dance party, no BS dance party, if you got to edit that out. Um, and I basically said, like, it was, I think it was a Mary J quote, like, leave your attitude at the door, right? And mm -hmm. maybe one more thing at the door of the venue. It's so simple. And in that, that first event, uh, you know, once again, it was timing and relationships and the underground in a moment in time. And that, you know, like 200 people showed up. I didn't know who they were. And so there's just a wave of people craving that space. And it was also a wave of new music um, because, you know, as much as I love those nights that I used to go to, like the German J bass nights, the house heads, the Brit pop, you know, whether people were mixing or playing their 45s, there was an attitude, an air of gatekeeping that I had no interest in. And so this sort of, you know, provided a space of, you know, in a sense, chaos against that, <laughs> against that mindset, which as you probably know, still exists in many spaces to this day. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I can look back and be like, oh, that's my work my work is that. So it is the music, it is the DJing, but it really is sort of the message and the language that goes along with it, which is, you know, especially after these past couple of years and like with the title of the EP songs for discarded souls, it's like, to me, there's an intent of just acknowledging and saying that there is space in this world for those who have been pushed to the edges and ethers. And while I was embraced after having quote unquote success in those spaces, to me, it was never about abandoning the folks who were there for me through it all, because, you know, there's a lot of pain in this world. Right. And I feel like I relate to that. And so it's actually been interesting because, you know, when I created this event and I created these spaces, you know, I was accepted. Right. And when I had my health, um, I lost a lot of people. And so that's where a lot of this music comes from because, it, oh, I didn't realize who was attracted to me due to a plus one or perhaps getting attention from, you know, press or whatnot. Like I didn't know who was there for the temporary. Now, luckily I was built 
to be without, like as a child, like I really did my own thing. I was used to being ignored. Like you cannot, I'm just stubborn. And so a lot of this music and returning to it, especially at my age was like a stubborn, like declaring of being allowed to take up space because I think um, continuing to exist really is a revolutionary act. And that's where one of my stickers come in, which I should send you when it says living as revenge on it, you know, because like you might as well. (laughs) (laughs) You never know what the next day brings and just do it just, just to bother people. (laughs) Keep going just for revenge. (laughs) So yeah. Sorry. Is that what you'd say that your whole new EP is about, you know, getting revenge by simply existing? You know, I think it's a slice of it. You know, I ended up doing five songs and some of the slices are about um, the pain of my health and the isolation that came with. um, I had a couple additional setbacks (laughs) while, you know, trying to find my diagnosis. I ended up in the hospital um, for a very long time due to a burst appendix that um, if I had expressed the pain that I was experiencing, I would not have almost died. And so there's a lot of layers in here of um, the the repressed pain and the repression of my power and the repression of like navigating uh, the music world and other spaces as a woman and um, sort of having to tap dance through that. And so it sort of begins with being 28 and leaving the the first song is sort of leaving behind what a relationship that I guess would have been fine, but there would have been no growth and then taking the leap and moving to LA and, um, and I, and going into the cesspool, which by the way, you know, the earth and the ground of, of the area is very sacred. It's the people who come to take from it. And that's the truth of any area. It's the people who try to take from Detroit, who steal from Motown, who were the ones making the copies of those Motown records on the side and selling them. And, this, you know, it's not the core and heart of these places that are corrupt. So I moved my way through corrupt systems, which exist everywhere. And to get to the other side and feel what love looks like here on earth. And then um, also, you know, just saying and feeling all the things I couldn't, and then ending with the song that I think brought us together, which was 93 weeks. And that's where I'm heading. And so, you know, I debated at the end um, because I find a lot of peace in ambient and drone and that expression, but because for many years, additionally, you know, by 2830, I just kind of saw what it took to be in a band anymore, which I had been in five or six at that point. And I was like, Oh, I don't need, need this. My um, ego wasn't big enough to keep pushing, but this, this EP was a chance to sort of reclaim those lost eras, the eras of me writing a song, the era of me becoming a producer, which I produced this on my own. And, and then leading me to now, which is, I want to go deeper into composing to sort of reclaim the time lost to, you know, a challenging industry, um, not just for women, but, you know, because recording studios were very difficult. I tried to learn the craft back then for YouTube. It was very gatekept, but for all of us, you know, um, it's changed. The landscape has changed for education and learning yourself. So it's wrapping it all up and getting it out and immediately felt better. Not matter, no matter what happens with it, my thoughts were lighter, just putting it out because I was like, I didn't realize the pieces of me that were sort of held in limbo because while I didn't need to put out my music, I, there is a relationality of expression and 
coping and processing what you're going through that's necessary through art. And I think a lot of us, right, abandon pieces of ourselves along the way um, because for survival, you know, who has the time, right? But I think I encourage, and a part of why I was excited to put this out, because I can continue the conversation of like, okay, what have we left aside that society told us we shouldn't return to that has no worth or prop, you know, because the first question always is when you create art, well, you know, how are you going to sell it? And it's kind of a sickness. And so to me that, yeah, it is a radical act to keep creating um, at any age, because it's not necessarily the norm, you know? I, I truly believe in protecting that and in doing that, you know, hopefully encourage others to keep going too, you know? Yeah. This, uh, this EP definitely feels like it belongs to the Midwest to me. When I listened to it a few times, the soundscape to me was, it just reminded me of the Rust Belt itself. Just this kind of how the Rust Belt, it's, it's a hard place to describe because there's so much beauty in the Rust Belt and along the shores, the Great Lakes, but it's it has a lot of missing pieces to it or things that have been forgotten. And sometimes it's hard to look directly at it. And then, like, I was reading a few days ago about, like, I forget the exact term for it, but it was like desecration porn or something like that. How people will come to, say, Detroit and see all these abandoned, destroyed buildings and they'll just take pictures of it and be like, oh, this is so terrible, so awful. But then if you talk to actual residents of Detroit and people around the Rust Belt, they have a certain pride in the place. And, you know, obviously you have a pride in where you come from and where you live. And like I was originally saying here, this, this EP just reminds me very much of Rust Belt pride, Midwest pride, and just the entire soul of the Midwest, which is kind of living through that rust, but still being proud of it. Absolutely. And I think if it's hard to explain and unless you drive through it or potentially, let's say, you know, if you create art about it. And so I've been a lot of me driving around here, you know, I spent a lot of time alone um, previous to the two years. I was prepared for these past few years of isolation because I was already alone. And um, there is a freedom that kind of clears your head when, you know, you begin to drive or look around and, um, you know, when you mentioned Detroit, I do have a fierce protection um, of the area and of sort of the dismissal that can come easily or any additional people trying to come in um, to abuse and use and consume it. And, you know, the example that sticks with me from my pride in history is, you know, so like we are like the Upper Peninsula Finnish folk, you know, and then, you know, we move further south and, you know, they're a little cold and stubborn we have something called sisu which is you just keep going um there's a deeper explanation there's a deeper description to it but that's sort of the gist of it and from there's actually a population from michigan when the factories closed down that moved down to this area called lake worth in florida now so in that population um in florida as you may know the um, coastlines can get hyper-developed, maybe not, but they get developed. And this one little town in Lake Worth, which happens to have a large Finnish population for years, kept resisting development. So people will talk smack about this area. They'll say all these things and this and that. And there is 
a sweetness and charm to integrity being held and saying no to the development and saying no to being used again and taking a long ass time to find our own damn way so folks don't steal from us again. So that's a sense of integrity that I see in this area that I did not know about, you know, because while my family was from this area, you know, to survive, my mom was a widow, we went to college towns to, um, you know, to earn a living. And then as I spent more time in this area, I understand a deeper sense of integrity and hard work and also just the no BS mentality here that, you know, they don't want to be sold anything. Um, you got to mean what you say and walk quietly and do it well. And do I love that? It's completely, I love that so much. You know, it's, it's, it's healed a piece of myself that, you know, you don't know that you were searching for, you know, and especially in America, like sometimes we are disconnected from our roots. It can become a like conglomerate of mush of who we are and what we aren't. So I love this as a time to start to understand like who we are, where we came from and what it means. And the Midwest has really healed a piece of me. And, you know, I just love driving around here, honestly, like I'll drive Northwest <laughs> any direction and just go for a drive and kind of get to know the history, whether it's like the closed, you know, fender factories in Lansing, please correct me if I'm wrong. I do have memory loss from what I do or driving different directions to look at the old signage that the Verner's signs on the side of the buildings. And when they get painted over, I flipped the lid. Like there was one in Ann Arbor that they painted over after I'd seen it since like 1987. I was like, how dare you? This is our history. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a, I have a deep love for um, maintaining it. And I think if we, you know, stick, keep, if we keep, um, preserve it long enough, it will be preserved by the next generation. We're seeing that with the crafts too. People are starting to preserve the things that we thought we lost, whether it's sign painting, that's something I've been working on. And it's a trade, you know, cause, cause I'm artist as well. And I love the impact of words. And so, you know, um, I've, if, you know, once you start following that hashtag on Instagram or liking the algorithm, you'll start seeing a world of sign painters who are preserving the craft now. And I see that for a lot of stuff, you know, I do see hope in it all, you know, um, and, and so creating this music is definitely preserving that hope in myself, you know, and others. Yeah, I'll say um, with the way the world has been progressing, it seems like more and more of a corporate hellscape with each passing year. But then again, sometimes I'll look at the internet and I see all these new communities that have come about because of the simple existence of the internet and how it has become a global village. And so if not for the internet, I wouldn't have found out about certain music scenes and such, but then still looming over that is, you know, all these massive entities that we can't truly understand or, even know their plans mm -hmm. and that's a bit of a terrifying thing but it's still how do you how do you see the future progressing with both these um i, I guess small scenes in the internet that preserve the kind these kinds of culture and these forms of art but you know like i said looming on the horizon is the never-ending capitalist hellscape so well what i've been excited most about in the new intergenerational communication that wasn't happening in when I was younger. There was a divide, especially between um, women. Um, but now I'm seeing 
you know, the conversations between, let's say, a 60-year-old uh, union worker and a 20-year-old punk rock kid who has ADD and doesn't know what to do with their life. And if they begin talking online and getting the advice, like from, you know, my uncle was an electrician and, you know, worked hard, thought it would pay off. And then you learn at the end, maybe it doesn't, <laughs> you know, you got to keep working. If I see the relationship between the generations starting to talk. And I think that was the divide that got people so scared with some of these new apps. And so if we can find you know, and by new app, I'm meaning TikTok, you know, so if we can find these ways to, you know, not give ourselves over to the algorithm to keep, you know, it's essentially media literacy with understanding the algorithm is doing its job. So yes, of course, we're seeing more horrific stuff, but, but they're tracking the amount of time we're looking at that thing and where our eyes are falling on it. So the more time you spend on it, the more time they'll show it to you. So I think that balance with recognizing that these systems are monitoring how we use our time and energy and knowing that we are um, the product, right? But then additionally, for the time before these these worlds get co-opted if we can use the tools, you know, quickly and daftly and then knowing when to turn the phone off. And I'm someone who's had to spend a lot of time in bed. And since I put this, this EP out, I've definitely been monitoring my time and making sure I develop, you know, my hand skills, my motor skills, um, you know, returning at times to, you know, the history of the DIY methods of, you know, um, distributing flyers isn't over, you know, and I think a blending and meshing of both of those worlds is really important to me. You know, pounding the pavement is just as important as having the option for a virtual meeting, because in that virtual meeting are going to be people like me on the days who can't get out of bed. So it's going to, you're going to have to be crafty and, um, you know, the, the sentiment I've been hearing back, which shifted my perspective because people can get caught in intellectualism and doomsday, especially, you know, if in the scenes, let's say that we're interested in uh, noise and drone. And for me, I like doom too. I actually like doom metal, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and we can highly um, expose ourselves and educate ourselves, but then we can also get caught in hopelessness. And, and a key piece that I've taken away also is like, hopelessness is also a key rule of white white supremacy and and to keep us sort of disconnected and so i think the deeper we can build communities in new ways intergenerational ones to hear other people's stories and not just the older telling the younger what to do but i've learned so much from the younger and older and my own age and so i think if we can view it as a tool and really know that they are preying upon our our you know brain happiness serotonin structure to keep us addicted and make radical choices to close it down and then use it when we can and close it down and combine the, you know, in person when we can and when we feel safe and then use the internet in the other ways. But I think I do see the combining because I do love physical skills of like working with your hands and then putting my damn phone down and not touching it at all. You know, it's going to take, it's going to take um, practice. <laughs> it's not easy. Like, I don't think it's easy. You know, I fall and pray to both. So. I definitely, definitely understand that. And I actually live right next to train tracks. So I don't know if you hear the train blaring by no. right now. But another, another beauty of the Midwest here. The uh, yep. 
very rusty train tracks, but I love walking on them. But um, I suppose I will ask you one more question before we go here. Is there anything in particular, or I suppose, what would be the most important aspects that you would want listeners to take away from your new EP? You know, I think music gives us a chance to authentically feel the things that aren't safe. And so you can come with a critical ear, but understand how, you know, many obstacles it can take for many musicians and artists just to wake up every day. And so in it, it, to me, it's almost less about the music, but that we kind of, I really do believe we all kind of have to keep going. So impact wise, I hope this creates a world in a space where people can just be to sit back and feel and feel like they're experiencing something real, you know, and beyond that, it's not up to me, you know, Um, because listen, I don't, I know I can already do better, believe it or not, but there's a point in creativity where you just have to let go and express it. And so I think the joy is learning and hearing and letting others tell me what it means to them, you know, but I hope for a moment they can feel surrounded by something real and someone who kept going and it gives them a sense of comfort or hope in that. Awesome. Thank you. I, uh, those still listening, I absolutely recommend this EP. I will be playing the final track 93 weeks on the afterglow, which goes from 10 PM to midnight on Sundays I'll have that within our system soon enough, I believe. But once again, thank you so much for joining me. I feel like it was a good talk. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for making the space for musicians like me. Absolutely.